Encyclical Letter, Ubi Nos, On the Pontifical States, by Pope Pius Ninth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Encyclical Epistle of Our Most Holy Lord, Pius Ninth, by Divine Providence, Pope. To all patriarchs, primates, archbishops, bishops, and other ordinaries in the grace and communion of the apostolic see. Pius the Ninth. Venerable Brethren, Health and Apostolical Benediction. When, reduced by the sacred counsel of God under the power of the enemy, we beheld the hard lot of this, our city, and our civil princedom, crushed under an armed invasion, then by letters addressed to you, on the first day of November in last year, we declared to you, and through you to the whole Catholic world, what was the state of our affairs and of this city, and to what excesses of impious unbridled license we were exposed. And in accordance with our supreme office, we testified before God and men that we were resolved that the rights of the Holy See should be kept safe and entire and we stirred you and all our beloved children, the faithful committed to your care, to appease the Divine Majesty with fervent prayers. Since that time, the evils and calamities which those first bitter experiences foreboded for us and for this city have truly increased beyond measure against the apostolic dignity and authority, against the purity of religion and morals, and against our well-beloved subjects. Moreover, venerable brethren, the condition of affairs daily growing more serious, we are compelled to say, with St. Bernard, These are the beginnings of ills. We fear worse things behind. Epistle number 243 For iniquity keeps on advancing and carries forward its designs, nor now does it greatly trouble itself to veil its wicked proceedings, for they cannot be concealed and it is now endeavouring to possess itself of the last spoils stripped from justice on which it has trampled, from decency and from religion. Under these distresses, which fill our days with bitterness, especially when we consider to what perils and snares the faith and virtue of our people is exposed, we cannot, venerable brethren, recollect or mention without the deepest gratitude the high desert of yourselves and of our beloved faithful under your care. For in every part of the world, the faithful of Christ, responding with admirable zeal to our exhortations, and following you as their guides and examples, have persevered in continual and fervent prayers, and either by repeated devotions, or by holy pilgrimages, or by uninterrupted attendance in the churches, by approach to the participation of the sacraments, or by other special acts of Christian virtue, have deemed it their duty to have recourse with perseverance to the throne of divine mercy. All the burning zeal of these deprecatory prayers cannot fail to obtain from God abundant fruit. The numerous blessings that have already proceeded from them are the earnest of other good things to come, which we await in faith and hope. For we behold firmness of faith and warmth of charity expanding daily, we see stirred up in the minds of faithful Christians that concern and sympathy 
which God alone can inspire for this holy see, and for the labours and conflicts of the supreme pastor. And we behold such unity of minds and wills, that from the first ages of the church, even to the present, it could never be said with more splendour and truth, that the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. The Book of Acts, Chapter 4, Verse 32 in mentioning such a spectacle of virtue, we cannot pass over in silence our well-beloved children, the citizens of this city, whose love towards us, whose piety, and whose firmness equal to the trial, has shone, and still shines brilliantly with a greatness of soul not only worthy of, but even rivalling, the heroism of their ancestors. Therefore do we ascribe immortal glory and thanks for you all, venerable brethren and for our well-beloved children, the faithful, to the merciful God, who hath wrought such great things in you and in his church, and still worketh, and, where malice aboundeth, hath made the grace of faith, of charity, and of confession of the truth still more to abound. What is then our hope and our joy and crown of glory? Is it not you before God? A wise son is the glory of his father, May God therefore bless you, and may he be mindful of your faithful service and pious compassion, and the consolation and honour which you showed, and still show to the spouse of his son, in the evil time and in the days of her affliction. St. Bernard, Epistles 238 and 130 But in the meantime, the subalpine government, while, on the one hand, it exerts itself to make of Rome a fable for the whole world, St. Bernard, Epistle 243, on the other has elaborately endeavoured to impose upon Catholics, and to quiet their anxieties, by drawing up and contriving certain futile immunities and privileges called in the vulgar tongue warrantigie, guarantees, with the intention of our accepting them in lieu of that civil princedom of which by a long series of plots, and by parricidal arms, it has robbed us. On these immunities and safeguards, venerable brethren, we have already passed our judgment, noting their absurdity, their disingenuousness, and their mockery in our letter of the 2nd of last March, addressed to our venerable brother Constantine Patrizzi, Cardinal of the Holy Roman Church, Dean of the Sacred College, and exercising the functions of our vicar in Rome, which letter was forthwith printed and published. But forasmuch as it is a characteristic of the said subalpine government to add an unfailing and base insincerity to its unblushing contempt of our pontifical dignity and authority, and as it is shown by its acts that it regards as naught our protests, expostulations and censures, hence Notwithstanding the judgment expressed by us respecting the aforesaid guarantees, it has not desisted from urging forward and promoting their discussion and examination in the supreme estates of the realm, as though a serious affair were being transacted, in which discussion has clearly appeared both the truth of our judgment upon the nature and character of those guarantees, and the fruitlessness of the enemy's attempt to disguise their malicious and fraudulent intent. Truly, venerable brethren, it is incredible that so many errors, in open opposition to the Catholic faith, 
and even to the principles of natural justice, and that so many blasphemies as were uttered on that occasion could be uttered in the midst of this Italy, which has ever boasted, and still boasts, above all things, of possessing the worship of the Catholic religion and the see of the apostolic Roman pontiff, and in truth, by the protection of God over his church, widely different are the feelings which by far the greater part of Italy cherishes, groaning over and deploring together with us this new and unprecedented form of sacrilege, and by the continually increasing proofs of its affection and duty, proving to us that it is united in one spirit and sentiment with the rest of the faithful throughout the world. Wherefore, we this day again direct our voice to you, venerable brethren, and although the faithful of your diocese have, either by their letters or by other important protests, publicly expressed how bitterly they feel our distressed situation, and shown how far they are from being deceived by the trickeries disguised under the name of guarantees, yet have we judged it to be a duty of our apostolic office to declare solemnly through you to the whole world that not only those so-called guarantees which have been perversely fabricated by the Italian government, but any titles, honours, immunities, privileges, and whatsoever else may come under the name of guarantees, can be of no value whatsoever towards the assertion of that unfettered and free use of the power divinely committed to us or towards the preservation of the necessary liberty of the Church. These things being so, as we have already many times declared and professed, that we cannot, without incurring the guilty of perjury, adhere to any scheme of conciliation which in any manner infringes our rights, or diminishes those rights which belong to God and to the Apostolic See, so now as bound by our office, we declare that we shall never admit, nor accept, nor can, under any circumstance, admit or accept those guarantees framed by the subalpine government, whatever may be their purport, or any other enactment of whatever kind and in whatever manner passed, which, under colour of securing our sacred power and liberty, may be offered to us in lieu and in derogation of that civil princedom by which divine providence has willed that the Holy Apostolic See should be secured and dignified, and possession of which is confirmed to us by the most legitimate and indisputable titles, and by a prescription of more than eleven centuries of possession. It cannot but be evident to everyone that were the Roman pontiff to become subject to the dominion of any other prince, he would neither be himself any longer invested with supreme power in the political order, nor would he, either as to his person, or as to his acts in the apostolic ministry, be exempted from the control of the ruler to whom he was subject, who might even become a heretic or a persecutor of the church, or be engaged in actual war or in virtual hostility against other princes. And in fact, this very granting of guarantees of which we are speaking, is it not of itself a very plain proof that on us, to whom is given by God, the authority to pass laws concerning the moral and religious order, on us who have been appointed the interpreters of natural and divine law for the whole world, laws are imposed, laws which concern the government of the universal church, and for the maintenance and execution of which 
there is no other right than what the lay power in its discretion may prescribe and ordain and as to what pertains to the relation between the church and civil society you well know venerable brethren that all prerogatives and all rights of authority needful for the government of the universal church we in the person of blessed peter have received directly from god moreover that those prerogatives and rights as also the liberty of the church have been obtained and bought with the blood of jesus christ and are to be valued according to that infinite price of his divine blood we therefore should commit an outrage which god forbid against the blood of our divine redeemer if we should consent to borrow from the princes of the earth these our rights especially tarnished and pared down as they now desire to hand them back to us for christian princes are the church's sons and not her lords and masters as that great light of sanctity and learning saint anselm archbishop of canterbury appositely told them think not that the church of god is given to you as a servant to a master she is committed to you as to her advocate and defender nothing doth god so much love in this world as the liberty of his church epistle eight line four and he further exhorts them in another place where he writes never deem that the dignity of your grandeur is impaired if you love and defend the liberty of the spouse of god your mother the church think not that you are lowered when you exalt her that you are weakened when you strengthen her see look around there are examples in plenty consider the princes who attack and trample upon her how it profits them and what becomes of them is known to everybody it needs not to be told certainly they who glorify her shall be glorified with her and in her epistle twelve line four now however venerable brethren it must be evident to all from these declarations which we have made to you both now and on former occasions that the injury done to this holy see in these troublous times must redound to the injury of all christendom for every christian man as saint bernard said is touched by wrong done to the apostles who are the glorious princes of the earth and since the roman church as the before quoted saint anselm says labors for all the churches therefore whosoever robs her is judged guilty of sacrilege not against her alone but against all the churches epistle forty two line three certainly no man can doubt but that the conservation of the rights of this apostolic see is most closely bound up with the highest purposes and interests of the universal church and with the liberty of your own episcopal function we therefore considering and pondering upon all these things as is our duty are compelled to confirm and constantly to reassert that which we have many times declared to you who unanimously agreed with us that the civil princedom of the holy see has been by the singular design of divine providence given to the roman pontiff in order that he the said roman pontiff being never subject to any prince or civil power may exercise in the fullest liberty throughout the universal church the supreme power and authority received from christ our lord of feeding and ruling the universal flock and may consult for the church's greater good and for her interests and needs 
you, venerable brethren, and your faithful flocks, well knowing this, are all of you with reason troubled in behalf of religion, justice, and peace, which are the foundations of all good things, and illustrating the Church of God with a noble spectacle of faith, charity, constancy, and virtue, and being faithfully intent on her defence, are transmitting to her annals a new and admirable example for the remembrance of future generations. But forasmuch as the God of all mercies is the author of those good things, therefore, lifting up our eyes, our heart, and our hopes to him, we do, without ceasing, beseech him that he would confirm, strengthen, and increase the noble sentiments of yourselves and of your faithful flocks, and your collective piety, love, and zeal. Yourselves also, and the people committed to your watchful care, we earnestly exhort that as the conflict grows more severe, so you would daily more resolutely and more abundantly cry with us to the Lord, that he may vouchsafe to hasten the time of his mercy. May God grant that the princes of the earth, whom it very greatly concerns not to allow the example of the usurpation which we are suffering to be confirmed and successful to the ruin of all order and established authority, may be all united together with the consent of mind and will, and all disagreements being removed, rebellious disturbances being calmed down, and the fatal plots of the sects being defeated, they may undertake in concert the labour of restoring to this holy see its rights, and with them his full liberty to the church's visible head, and wished-for tranquillity to civil society. Nevertheless, venerable brethren, do you implore, with fervent prayer, you and your faithful flocks, the divine mercy, that it may turn the hearts of the wicked to penance, and remove the blindness of their minds before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Or, crushing their wicked plots, show them how mad and foolish they are who attempt to overthrow the rock founded by Christ, and to violate its divine privileges. St. Gregory the Eighth, Epistle 6, Line 3 In these prayers let our hopes rest more firmly on God. Think you that God can turn a deaf ear to his most dear spouse when she stands and cries against those who have straightened her? How shall he not acknowledge the bone of his bone and the flesh of his flesh? Yea, also, in some sort, the spirit of his spirit. It is indeed now the hour of evil and the power of darkness. But this is the last hour, and the power swiftly passeth away. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, is on our side, and the cause is his own. Be of good courage, he hath overcome the world. St. Bernard, Epistle 126 Meanwhile, let us, with good courage, and an assured faith, follow the voice of eternal truth, who hath said, Wrestle for thy life for justice, and contend for justice even unto death, and God will vanquish for thee thy enemies. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 4, verse 33. Finally, venerable brethren, we do from our soul pray for the richest blessings of heavenly graces on you, and on the faithful clergy and laity whom God hath committed to your care, and as a token of our special and heartfelt affection to you and to them, we very lovingly impart to you and to them 
Our Apostolical Benediction Given at Rome, at St. Peter's, this 15th day of May, in the year of our Lord, 1871, in the 25th year of our pontificate. End of encyclical letter Ubi Nos on the Pontifical States by Pope Pius the Ninth. Recording by Algie Pug.